Welcome to the Daily Standard Podcast. I'm Eric Felton, joined today by Michael Warren, White House correspondent and senior writer for the Weekly Standard. Michael, how are you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me, Eric. Great to have you. So here at the Daily Standard Podcast, um, we praise the president when he's in the right. We criticize the president when he's in the wrong. We call him as we see them. Absolutely. But it is some measure, perhaps, of how well the president did last night, that if you were watching MSNBC afterwards, <laughs> Rachel Maddow was sputtering, struggling, trying to find something, some handle on which she could criticize the president. Yeah, I suppose uh, if one week earlier we were seeing sort of the lows of uh, you know Donald Trump, president of the United States, and uh, you know holder of the bully pulpit and, and, and being able to uh, express himself nationally in front of a national stage. That was the low point that that perhaps uh, Monday night's address was a high point, at least uh, to the extent that the president was sort of addressing a serious topic, a serious issue. And even if he was presenting a um, a plan that that many people in the United States might not agree with, he was doing so in a way that seemed uh, straightforward seemed like it had come from a place of um, a place of uh, thoughtfulness and reflection yes you know as as he said my original instinct was to pull out and historically i like to follow my instincts it, <laughs> it, understatement it, of the century <laughs> right and is he maybe learning the stakes are high enough that you have to think through what you're doing as president is this likely to have any impact on other decisions he makes um, or is this going to be sequestered into issues of national security where he will recognize he needs to have a proper process, weigh the options, hear from his advisors, and uh, but everything else is just going to be seat of the pants? I don't know. I mean, we, I think you do have to take the Afghanistan issue um, separately because, um, and this is something that's, I think, observable by um, – anybody who was watching the campaign and, and the presidency of Donald Trump, and also something I've heard from people within the administration, which is that uh, the president had two sort of competing impulses on Afghanistan. On the one hand, he wanted to pull out because he doesn't like foreign wars. He doesn't like the idea of a 16-year-long war going The American people longer. don't really like the idea of 16-year wars. Yeah, they, yeah. I mean, they say, they say that they don't like the idea. I, think, I do think that the impact of the war on... Um, on the country as a whole is much more limited. When those questions are asked, they're not necessarily posing to people, do you want this to go on or do you want the inevitable outcome of what happens if the U.S. withdraws? Right, exactly. It's sort of uh, that, that complicated second part of, the, of a question or a complicated second question is never really asked. I think this is part of uh, Trump's sort of populism, but it's also, I think, a deeply held belief for Donald Trump, that he doesn't like foreign wars. He wants to rebuild in America. He doesn't want to rebuild overseas. Um, So you have that impulse, which competes with an impulse to win. And I don't mean to say that flippantly. I mean, he likes the idea of killing bad guys and and leaving a legacy that he won, and and perhaps more importantly, a legacy that he did not lose in, And if you're going to be engaged in making war, in war fighting... An urge to win is not a bad thing. Absolutely not. Um, But I think it informs the difficult decision he had because those two ideas clashed. If 
Donald Trump in the United States pulled out of Afghanistan, it would it would simply be a disaster. And I think what ultimately happened with this particular decision is a, nearly every single principal on the National Security Committee, every major military advisor to the president, had to and did convince him that pulling out would mean a disaster because you have uh, the Taliban resurgent that is allied with al-Qaeda, you have ISIS in Afghanistan, you have Pakistan where uh, the Taliban have a command structure, uh, you have instability from being fueled by countries like Iran and Russia in Afghanistan, that the result of pulling out unilaterally would, I think this is very important, this is what I was told by people in the administration about his thinking on this, and we heard this in the speech, which was that pulling out of Afghanistan in the way that Donald Trump had basically described he wanted to do during the campaign would result in a similar outcome or could result in a similar outcome to Barack Obama's decision in 2011 to withdraw nearly all of our troops from Iraq. Uh, And we, of course, know what's happened in Iraq and Syria since then. That was foremost in the president's mind and I think was ultimately what convinced him um, to uh, announce what he did announce on, on Monday at Fort Myer, which was a new strategy, not just for Afghanistan, but for the entire South Asia region, as the National Security Council defines it, Afghanistan, Pakistan, India, that includes more troops, more U.S. troops uh, uh, being deployed to Afghanistan. Although if there was anything that was sort of new in this policy, it would seem to be the sort of tougher stance toward Pakistan. And it was in outlining that, that the president sounded most Trumpian. He said, we've been paying Pakistan billions and billions of dollars at the same time they're housing the very terrorists we're fighting. That will have to change. Trumpian in the sense, it's not enough that Pakistan's harboring terrorists, but we're getting a lousy deal. We're paying them and they're housing terrorists. That's right. That's actually a place, I think, where there's some synthesis between Trump's view of deals Um, which is often problematic when it comes to foreign affairs and national security. Uh, But there is some synthesis there with um, what a lot of the um, uh, broad national security, um, certainly conservative national security community, views the problem with Pakistan. And this is a shift from certainly the Barack Obama era, but even elements of of the Bush administration policy on Pakistan, which is that um, there's, there's been too much pussyfooting about the fact that Pakistan was where uh, Osama bin Laden was. Uh, Pakistan has that command structure for Taliban, for the Taliban. The Haqqani network is active in Pakistan. And this is something that is happening all while the United States is providing military aid. Now, the White House is insistent that that military aid has been winding down over the last several years, which is true. Uh, it's now down to just under $1 billion or so. I think last year was a, a just under $1 billion in uh, foreign aid to Pakistan, but I think that was a um, that uh, you were right. That is one of the most significant um, developments of uh, people were criticizing Trump. If there was criticism of of him for not simply throwing up on himself while giving the speech, it was that actually this was not much of a shift. That this was uh, too similar uh, in many ways, good or bad, to uh, the Barack Obama policy for South Asia and and on Pakistan. I think rhetorically. And this matters with Pakistan. Rhetorically, there, this is a change. Um, we'll have to see if there's follow through, but the White House is, has been sort of open. Um, certainly, I talked to senior administration officials yesterday who said all the tools um, of national power, including um, dangling that 
very much uh, coveted foreign aid that we provide to Pakistan as a condition um, is very much a, 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 a an option, a real option. So here we have the president having something that looks, at, at the very least, looks and appears successful, born of an actual presidential decision-making process that was was sort of a normal process, something that was successful, perhaps in the same way that the Neil Gorsuch nomination was successful, born again of a normal presidential decision-making process. And yet, then the president's turning around and he's heading out back out this time to Arizona to do another campaign-style rally. Um, is there any hope that the president's team will realize that they need to focus more on the presidential decision-making process and something that might seem normal as opposed to the endless campaign. I think that's always the idea, particularly now that John Kelly is in charge uh, as White House Chief of Staff. Um, that's always the idea is to is to keep him focused. Uh, the sort of uh, tumult that we've seen over the last couple of weeks, he's been on vacation. It's been a working vacation. It's been, but he's sort of he's not been in the White House. He's sort of not been in an odd way distracted by the work of being um, the president. Uh, so so perhaps. But this is always sort of the contradiction of of uh, the Trump presidency. You have people trying to convince him to act more presidential in, in the traditional um, conception of that, and uh, and he, his his sort of instincts to uh, do his own thing, to go rogue, as uh, his aides said after his uh, press conference last week. Um, I do want to say, Eric, one thing that um, for all of the sort of presidential process. Uh, that he did go through presidential decision making process. He did go through on this. There is a contradiction in what the president said last night and what members of his administration are saying afterward and today. Um, that I think is a result of the president not having a strong uh, viewpoint on this, which is the question of the Taliban. Now, the uh, Obama administration made it a priority, made it a goal, really. Um, in many ways, driven by the State Department, but also I think Barack Obama's own philosophy on this, which is that uh, the Taliban are simply a way of life in Afghanistan, and this is a this is a group of people that ultimately, in whatever uh, negotiated peace in Afghanistan, has to be negotiated between the Afghan government and the Taliban. This is something that um, the White House was was telling uh, me uh, before the speech. Um, the uh, Secretary of State Rex Tillerson um, is speaking in very State Department ease on this. Um, that that the Tal uh, there's a goal partners for peace, right? Partners for peace. The Taliban, the the Taliban. Uh, I, I I repeat, um, <laughs> the group of people who aided and abetted um, the uh, the nine eleven uh, and and who have been and cozy with Al Qaeda ever since. Absolutely, and who it should be noted. Um, uh, who who continue to look? These are people who. Uh, this is our, our friend of the magazine, Tom Jocelyn, points this out, um, which is that the one of the leaders in of the Taliban recently, in recent weeks or months, sent his son, his own son, uh, to be a suicide bomber. Uh, essentially, this is the group of people that that a peace is supposed to be negotiated with. Now, the president last night touched on this idea of a negotiated peace between the Afghan government and the Taliban. But it was interesting that he sort of came out and said, don't know if that's actually going to happen. 
um, sort of holding out hope, but actually injecting some skepticism. That was a difference from what the White House, what the State Department, what others are saying within the administration. So what you have here is some cognitive dissonance. I would, um, I'm actually trying to report this out right now to figure out um, what exactly the administration really believes and, and what is the policy toward the Taliban. That's a, a, an issue that we, we mentioned all of the decision-making process the president went through on this. Um, I don't think the president has a strong view on this question. And so what you end up having happen is is um, sort of the foreign policy establishment of which, um, you know, you know the Rex Tillerson is, is, is sort of a, a member and, um, and sort of, I would say, a tool of, um, it pushes this idea. Um, and so I think Trump's instincts on this, to go back to instincts, are that maybe the, the Taliban aren't exactly partners for peace. Um, and so that's it's that kind of dissonance within the administration that needs to be resolved and I would say is, is pretty concerning. Michael Warren, senior writer of the Weekly Standard White House Correspondent, thanks for joining us on the Daily Standard Podcast. Thanks, Eric. Support for the Daily Standard Podcast comes from Dollar Shave Club, the smarter choice. You get a great shave at a great price, conveniently delivered right to your door. It's a no-brainer. You don't have to schlep to the store and try to get razors out of those plastic safes that are always locked behind. No cheap disposable razors that give you a cheap shave. And you don't spend a fortune on 14-blade razors with magic lubrication strips or other gimmicky shave technology. It's just a great razor paired with Dr. Carver's shave butter for a smooth, gentle shave. Listeners of the Daily Standard podcast can make the smarter choice by joining Dollar Shave Club. New members get their first month of the executive razor with a tube of Dr. Carver's shave butter for only $5 with free shipping. After that, razors are just a few bucks a month. That's a $15 value for only 5 bucks. In your first month box, you get a weighty handle, a cassette of four razor cartridges, and a tube of shave butter. After your first month, replacement cartridges ship automatically at their regular price. There are no hidden fees and no commitments. Cancel anytime you like. For this exclusive offer, go to dollarshaveclub.com slash weeklystandard. That's it for today's Daily Standard podcast. Be sure to tune into our podcast throughout the week. Just go to iTunes or Google Play for a free subscription, or go to our website, weeklystandard.com. I'm Eric Felton. Thanks for listening. 